Y'all rock. Who was at rally the other week, two weeks ago? Who was at rally? Give me a wave if you were at rally. Gosh, God was, who got like, this is like a Christian charismatic term. Who got rocked? Who got rocked? I did. It was such a, a beautiful night of just worshiping Jesus and ministering to each other and just seeing the Holy Spirit just flow through our group. And I just pray that passion would rise in our group to see Jesus work in your life and in your family's life and in your friend's life and on your college campus and your wherever you're at. I just pray that your passion and your desire to see God work would just increase. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Hey, before I start, I want to I just honor some people. Um, we honored him actually on Sunday night in a little gathering that we had with some of our leaders, but um, oh, he's not here tonight. Shoot, I'll honor him next week. I was going to honor Sydney, but we're going to honor Nate. Nate's in the back right there. He's our sound tech. He is awesome. Um, you know, like when it comes to like worship and it comes to stuff like this, like most people don't realize what it takes to make stuff like this happen. And like there's those guys would never want the attention because that's kind of why they're back there. They're like they just like to be in the shadows. But I just want to honor Nate and our whole AV team and just say they do an amazing job of setting the environment for for us to come and worship Jesus. And um, and one more group that I just want to give a shout out to is um, where are all the discipleship students in the house? Stand up if you're a discipleship student right now. Come on, give it up for our <laughs> discipleship students. Rock on. Yeah. So. You guys rock. They're in a nine-month discipleship program um, that Nick and Melanie and Emily lead, and I'm just, well, you lead it. Yeah, you lead it. Um, and it's just, I'm so pumped for you guys. This is an amazing group. God's like, you guys are, you guys are contagious, so keep it up. Um, we're going we're gonna to be in a series tonight on, it's called Devoted, but it's about really Christian community, okay? And before I get started, um, this was in 2000. Oh gosh, was this 2016? This is 2015, okay? This is 2015. This is me and my brothers and then a friend of ours, a childhood friend of ours who, uh, who went to a Michigan game against Ohio State, okay? It's a blurry picture. That's Jared, by the way, on the left. Look how small he is. That's funny. You know, a lot of you guys know Jared. But it was a Michigan-Ohio State game that I went to. I'm a, ma I was talking to Brett before service. I'm a mas massive Michigan fan. Like, it's borderline, like, uh, like, I, I border on the line of sin when I watch a Michigan football game because I get so angry, right? I'm like, it's like, get angry, do not sin. That's really hard for me during a Michigan game. I'm calling Jim Harbaugh names. I am like, it is just not, I'm yelling at the quarterback mostly every year. And it's just, but I've gotten better this year. I watched my first game and I was tame and I didn't wake up my kids. It was great. Yes, it was great. And, uh, but anyway, there's this, there's this, uh, this moment in Michigan football history, if you're not a football fan, just bear with me, okay? So there's this moment of Michigan football history that literally, like when I revisit this environment that I was in, I remember every detail. Like when this play happened, I cried. I was in shock. I was, in, I was just like, I cannot believe this just happened. Okay, some of you are football fans. You remember this. Others of you, you're going to be like, what the heck just happened? But Basically, Michigan, it was for Jim Harbaugh's first year, okay? A lot of you don't care. Just hang with me here, okay? <laughs> it was Jim Harbaugh's first year. We had just gotten over the Brady Hoke years, which were awful. I guess there was one good year. But anyway, we were so full of hope for Jim Harbaugh to be our coach and be our savior for Michigan football. And, uh, and uh, 
and he was, we were playing Michigan State, and if you know anything, I like Michigan, big rivalry, right? So we're playing Michigan State. There's like 20 seconds left or something like that, and Michigan's up by like, we're up by like, I don't know, two points you'll see on the board. And when it's the fourth quarter, 20 seconds left. We have the ball. All we have to do is punt. If we punt the ball, we win, okay? And this is what happens, okay? No. No. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes, there's a... Yeah. 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 Where was that energy during worship? That's what I want to know. <laughs> kind of joking, kind of not, but anyway. Um, look at Jim. Anyway, I, I say that to say, like, I literally remember that environment. I remember who I was with. I have a friend who lives in Tennessee who's a big Michigan. I remember calling him. I was on my deck at my parents' house, and I was like, did that really just happen? Like, <laughs> okay, I've gotten better. My, God has worked in my idolatry, okay? So I just don't want to warn you there, let you know. But the point of this story is there's football, college football season. There's the NFL. There's movies. There's Netflix. There's all these things that all these hundreds and thousands of industries are fighting for you to gather your friends to consume a common experience. And so there are co all these college football, and there's all these different aspects of, um, actually, I'm going to wait for that, that are warring and wait, like just trying to get you to gather your friends. Is it playing again? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I have to relive this again. They're, way, they're just trying to get us to gather our friends to watch a football game. <laughs> okay, I can't talk about this. Let's let it go. Okay, let it go. Okay. There we go. Okay, good. There isn't a slide before. So, no, we're not watching that, Brett. Stop. <laughs> they want to provide an experience for us with our friends that make us feel connected. And often there's a message and there's a product that's trying to be sold. And I would call all these experiences, college football, whether it's you watch TV shows together with your friends, you go watch movies with your friends, whatever it is, you go, they're all counterfeit. Right? They offer a sense of camaraderie, but when it comes down to it, it is always surface. You'll always connect with your friends on the surface level of things like sports, movies, TV shows, and whatnot. And in this message on devoted, we're going to talk about how we need to be devoted to creating environments that revolve around Jesus. Now, this is what Christian community is about. It's about creating environments that revolve around Jesus. And no, I'm not just talking about this environment. Because this is a large environment. This is 120-some-odd young adults. This is an environment centered on Christ. But I'm referring to something, something different. And so I was listening to a message, um, I think it was last, oh, so the series that we're going to be in is called Devoted. And I was listening to a message last December from Francis Chan. Raise your hand if you like Francis Chan. Yeah, he is like so awesome. I cry every time I listen to a message from Francis Chan. He'll make you feel like the worst, like in a good way, the worst person ever. Like he'll make you feel like, you know, there's, like he'll make you feel like, oh gosh, like I'm not even a Christian. I need to get, I, I need to like devote my life to Jesus. He's amazing, right? And I was listening to a message that he pro that preached on Acts 2.42, which is the message, the verse we'll talk about tonight. And he's talking about communion and how, how communion, meaning the taking of the bread and the body, or the, 
the body and the blood of Christ in the elements that we do in, in church and spiritual disciplines, how that was actually intended to be done in small groups. And how in small groups, in like this doing life together and centering relationships and your friendships on Christ, that communion is actually the centerpiece of that that ties your friend groups together. Stronger than a common experience, stronger than a rooting for the same football team, stronger than right going to the same high school, stronger than being on a sports team. That if There is a connection that we can have with our friends that is centered on Jesus Christ that binds us together in ways that, that cannot be done without Christ. See, everything else is counterfeit, but when you put Christ at the center of a friendship and of, of a group of friends and a gathering of people, you actually get an expression of Christ within your friendships. You get, you get to experience Christ through the other people because it's centered on Christ. Okay, we're going to, that's like a very deep concept, okay? I understand that. We're going to break it down. So I'm going to read the verse for us. It's in Acts 2.42. It says, give a little context here. This is after the day of Pentecost, meaning that Jesus had just risen from the dead, and the disciples had just received the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people had just gotten saved in one day, and more people were getting saved, and this is what it says. And they, referring to the Christians, devoted themselves, there's that word devoted, to the apostles' teaching, which means scriptures, because that's where we get the scripture, the New Testament scriptures from, is from the apostles' teaching. And the fellowship, which means doing life together, to the breaking of bread, which is communion, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we see in this passage a type of community where there is a group of people who are devoted, committed to each other on a level that is very uncharacteristic of humans to live in. It is, it is radical, you could say, the, the commitment, generosity, and love that these Christians had for each other. It happened right after Jesus had risen from the dead. So it, it shows me something that if, that if we get a hold of the love and the power of Jesus, we do not have to force ourselves into a small group or a Bible study. But actually, devotion to Jesus naturally leads us to desire environments that are centered on Christ. But religiosity and religion will tell you, get in a small group, get in a Bible study, go do, the, like, do things so you can check off lists to make yourself feel better. Whereas genuine belief and surrender to Jesus, in, in, genuine belief in Jesus will naturally lead to a desire for intimate connection and close connection with other Christians that are centered on Christ. And so everyone longs for this type of relationship. We all want to be in close, we all want a best friend. Like growing up, like we all want best friends. We all want friends. When we don't have friends, we dress weird and we get tattoos and we join sports teams and we join the band so we can have friends. We do things that we would never want to do so we can have friends. We all want relationship. 
But it gets weird because we want close relationship, but people are complicated. People are insecure. They're hurting. They're mean. They're selfish. They don't know how to communicate in confrontation. They don't know how to get over their problems. They have all sorts of issues, and they'll run away in an instant because of some weird drama because she liked your boyfriend or something. I don't know what it is that happens, but we get wedges so easily in our friendships, which proves that they're not really friendships that we could have. Does this make sense? So many pe- a lot of people have Christian friends. I went to Granville High School. I had, I had like a group of like Christian friends in high school. And like what I would say about my Christian friends is that they mostly just kept me out of like big trouble, like the big trouble that I wasn't supposed to do. And so I had Christian friends, but I never did anything like special, especially Christian with those Christian friends that I had. And then I had some group, uh, church friends in high school. And I went to church with them, but like that was about the extent of our spiritual uh, experiences was just attending church. We mostly goofed around and did crazy, weird things as high schoolers do. And here's my point, is that most Christians are content with having friends that share similar values. You're actually just content with having Christian friends and not hungering and thirsting to encounter Christ with your Christian friends. As long as your friends share your political view, that's about the extent of the value or the standard that you have for friends. As long as your friends have similar hobbies to you, maybe they're Christian, but maybe they go to church sometimes, and maybe, yeah, they're, they're kind of Christian. You see, the standard that we have for our Christian community is, is very low, because of the religious culture that we live in. It's interesting. Most Christians do not practice their Christianity with their Christian friends. This isn't to condemn anyone. I, the reason I'm preaching this message is because I was convicted of this as a pastor, <laughs> like, like last December. And it's interesting that I, I asked people, you know, in the last year, about, when's the last time you prayed with your friends? And maybe some of you, we have a lot of amazing people here, so some of you are doing this already, and this isn't a, a rebuke, this is more of an encouragement to keep on doing what you're doing. When's the last time you prayed with your friends? When's the last time you took communion with your friends, not in church? When's the last time you prayed with your friends, not in church? When's the last time you worshiped with your friends, not in church? When there, when's the last time that you read scripture together, not in church? When's the last time that you did, you see, spiritual disciplines we don't, like, we don't like the word discipline, so we're like, yeah, okay, we're in the New Testament. We don't need discipline. No, spiritual disciplines are laid out in the Bible for a reason because they provide the environments necessary for us to grow as, as children of God, to expand God's kingdom. We actually find Christ in spiritual disciplines, and if you don't be, act on spiritual disciplines, you'll miss out on the life that God has for you. Now, you can do spiritual disciplines on, your, disciplines on your own, but you'll still miss out because God didn't give us spiritual disciplines just for ourselves. He gave them for our community so that we wouldn't just be isolated Christians, but we'd be united Christians. Anyway, I'm going to keep moving on. Most of the times, we only ask for prayer from our friends when we're struggling. We send this like SOS message and we kind of treat them like we treat doctors. We're like, we wait until the very end. We eat like crap. We, we drink all soda and we, we just do not exercise. We don't take care of our bodies. And then we get sick. We go to the doctor and we're like, give me the surgery. Give me the pill. Give me the quick fix. 
And we kind of treat friends like Christian friends like that. We never do anything Christian. We never do any preventative care for our soul. And then we get in a situation that we often kind of brought on ourselves. And then we go to our pastors. We go to our Christian friends. And we say, please pray for me. I need a miracle. Do you know that most people wouldn't need the miracle if they would actually live in spiritual disciplines with their Christian community? That there's a type of preventative health in living in the kingdom that protects you. We're not when you just do it alone. We obviously promote that building a personal relationship with Christ, but here we're talking about being devoted to Jesus as a community, as a friend group. We're not just friends and we're both Christian. We're actually friends who are pursuing Christ together because that what it means, that's what it means to be a Christian. Christian isn't a title you place on your back just because you pray to prayer. Being a Christian is being a follower of the way. It is being a mini Christ-like one, meaning a learner of someone who follows after Jesus. And so how can you have a Christian friend if you don't do anything Christian with them? It's kind of like a, just a, a label that we place on our friendships in, in, in American Christianity because we just do it. I don't know why we do it. I can't tell why we do it. We just do it, and it's an observation. And I say, I've done it. We've all done it. Let's not beat ourselves up. Let's just move forward, and let's live in the truth. Let's just move forward and say, okay, we, now we know the truth. Let's run. I want to experience. I want to grow. I want more for my life, and it's never going to be alone. It's always going to be with others. And so in this message, we're talking about being devoted I chose these words carefully, okay? To creating environments that revolve around Jesus. No one will create that environment for you. I am not going to come to your house and be like, Trayvon, it's time for you to pray. Come on, go call your friends right now. Okay, call them right now. Now pray, I'll be watching. And make sure it's at least 12 minutes, okay? No one is going to get you to be in a Christ-centered community that revolves around, no one will do it for you. Only you can do it. And here's the thing, you know that. Here's the thing, you know you're made for it. Here's the thing, you want it. Here's the thing, we just got to do it. I understand there's fear, there's insecurity. I don't know how to pray. I don't understand. Listen, all those things are valid, but here's the deal. Most everyone else feels the same way. So just go on that journey with other people, give each other grace, and run after Jesus and growth as people. Can get an Amen. Man, let's stop playing religion. Let's not stop playing religion. Let's stop just coming to church. Let's stop just and let's live out our Christian life authentically with our friends and with our clo the closest people in our life. Can we do that? And here's the deal: when we do that and we come together, we're not all insecure, looking for friends. We got our people. We celebrate everyone else, and we're running forward, and we're going to grow God's kingdom one person at a time. It's it's a beautiful thing. And so as we move on, creating devoted to creating environments that revolve around Jesus. So our need for this relationship with others is like hardwired into us. Like everyone is hardwired for a relationship with others. And the Bible reveals why that is. The Bible reveals that God, like our God, when I say God, God is three persons revealed in the Bible. It's called the Trinity. And actually, it's funny, I was going to preach on this and then I went to Nick's office and I saw this art piece, and I just threw this in there for you. So anyway, this is an art piece that he has in his office, and it's basically this 11th century or something like that Russian painting of, like, the Trinity. And so anyways, Nick will tell you all about it afterwards. I just threw that in there for you. But anyway, the Trinity. <laughs> um, the Trinity is 
how the Bible describes God, that God is three persons in one. He is Father, He is Son, and He is Holy Spirit. They're all separate people, but together they make up one person. It's really, it's pretty confusing, but the Bible describes God this way. There are three people in one. They're relationally perfectly connected. They are, they are in perfect relationship with one another. This is who God is. Three co-equal people in relationship, and we're made in the image of God. So we see the Trinity here in Matthew 3 in Jesus' baptism. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, that's the Father, with whom I am well pleased. And so what we see here is the, the Trinity revealing itself in one scripture. So this is a key verse for the doctrine, you could say, of the Trinity. So God is three persons perfectly relating to one another. So they're in perfect relationship with each other. And the thing about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is they honor and love, like, they love each other. And so throughout the New Testament, and specifically in the Gospels, we see the different uh, persons of God honoring other persons of God. And so we see the Father honoring Jesus in Matthew 3. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. You see this relational connection between the Father and the Son. Remember, you're made in His image. You're made in the image of God, which means you are made for relationship. And not just relationship. Honoring, loving, safe, secure relationship. And then we see Jesus honoring the Father in John 12. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak, and know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. You see Jesus not coming on the scene as the Savior who's claiming himself as Savior in the sense that he's haughty about it, but he says, listen, all that the Father says, that's what I say. He's the mastermind of this whole plan. I've just come to do his will. You see him honoring the Father. This is relationship. And then we see Jesus honoring the Holy Spirit in Luke 24. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, this is really interesting. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and how when Jesus is resurrected, God's sending the Holy Spirit to Christians. Now, Jesus, remind you, had just performed, like, literally, John, the book of, the end of John says that there isn't a book in the world that could contain the miracles that Jesus did, okay? So Jesus performed, like, all these miracles. Jesus walked on water, raised the dead, fed 15,000 people out of five loaves and two fish. He did all these crazy miracles, and this is what he says about the Holy Spirit. He says, yeah, when he comes upon you, then you'll have power. Jesus operated with so much power, and yet he did not claim his power as his own, but says, no, listen, that's not even me. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the, you see this relationship? And so you're made in his image. You're made to live in this relationship. And here we see the Holy Spirit honoring Jesus. Now, in Luke 24, it says, when the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, the helper, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, 
who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So you have Jesus honoring the Holy Spirit, and now you have the Holy Spirit who's going to testify about Jesus. And so you have this amazing dynamic, and that's actually what that painting is about. You have this amazing dynamic where the Holy Spirit is saying, Jesus is incredible, he's amazing. You have the Father saying, the Son is my beloved Son. You have Jesus saying, there is no one like my Father. And you see the relationship in the, the, the Trinitarian Godhead. This is what we were made for. Well, you're made in his image, which means you're made for a relationship. Now, God created humans in his image to share the love that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit experienced in each other. The reason that you were created was that so you could share in their love. The reason he created Adam and Eve in the beginning, the reason he created mankind out of dust so that we could share in the love that they had with each other. That's why we're created. And then also to take dominion over the earth and to live on purpose to expand God's kingdom and his reign, his love and truth everywhere. So sin is the issue. We read about it in Genesis 1. Sin removed us from connection with God. We were, Adam and Eve were in connection with God, and then sin actually separated us from the relationship that Father, Son, Holy Spirit were having and had. It separated us from life itself. And if we, if, let's think about it. If you're separated from life, what happens? Your death, right? So if you're separated from the author of life, then what's the byproduct? So Romans Roman 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And it's like, yes, it's death, but it's mostly because you're not in connection with, with God. Because he's life. It's not God, yet there is punishment and wrath and what, all that that we read about in Scripture, but ultimately when you break it down, it's like, no, you're just not connected to God. Like if you were connected to God, then you have life. If you're not connected to God, then you have death. Does this make sense? So sin removed us from our connection to God, our relationship with this Godhead. Don't worry, I'm coming back to devoted. Some of you are like, how is this connecting to that? It will, I promise you. And then it says this, and so we're disconnected from God because of sin, and then it says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, may, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So even when we were dead in our sin, God sent Christ to pay for our sin so that we could enter back into the relationship that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were having. Jesus is the door back into relationship with God. So Jesus, faith in Christ, is the thing that opens our eyes up to relationship with God. So I'm wearing glasses tonight. Usually I don't wear glasses. And so I, I, anyone wear glasses in context? Like some of y'all are like, I was talking to Ryan, he, like he's like, he wears glasses, but he's like a negative 0.5, right? Like, I am like, I need glasses, guys. Like, I probably would die if I didn't have glasses or contacts. I'm a negative, like, 4.5, like, for my eyes, and so, like, I can't read at all, right? So I remember I was in seventh grade when I got my glasses or my contacts, and I got my contacts from Walmart, you know what I mean? Like, just go to, go to the eye care. I, who knows? Walmart does everything. It's, like, crazy. Anyway, so I go to Walmart, and I get my glass, like, I uh, get my contacts, get them fitted, and I remember walking, like, I literally remember this so vividly. I walk out, and I'm like, Mom, what, what is going on right now? Because everything was so clear and crisp, and I could read, right, the, the descriptions of what was in the aisle. Like, I could read everything, and it was just, a, I was like, 
Why did I, like, why did I wait so long to get glasses? And this is what it, this is what God's talking about when he, when he saves us. When we have faith in Christ, he opens our eyes. We're like born again. And now we can have relationship with Christ. I remember so vividly when I, when this, my eyes were open to relationship with Christ when I was like 19 years old. I grew up in church. And then finally, just sovereignly, God just opened my eyes. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's all about connection with Jesus. Like I, I remember like pursuing and reading my Bible and being like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I remember like the lights turning on and relationship to God actually becoming real. Like the lights turning on. And it wasn't because I searched for him, it's because he searched for me and opened my eyes. And Christ didn't just come so that we can go to heaven, he came so that our eyes would be open, so that we could have relationship, we could have life, eternal life, abundant life right now. It says in Hebrews 10 that under this new plan, we have been given, and we have, oh, that's Walmart, sorry. (laughs) Under this new plan, we have been given and made clean by Christ's dying for us once and for all. You see, Christ was the door to relationship with God, paid for our sin. And so this message of the gospel is God loves humanity so much that he did everything necessary to restore us to his original design. The original design, Garden of Eden, to live in communion and relationship with God. Like real relationship, like interaction, communication, aliveness, like passion, like friendship, laughter, joy. This is what we get to experience with God in relationship. To restore what was lost in the beginning. Relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, I have a confession. I love HDTV. <laughs> You're like, that's a weird transition. Okay. It'll make sense. So some of the, Abby and I, we haven't watched in a while. These are some of our favorite shows that we watch. Fixer Upper, Hometown, Love It or List It. Any of you guys watch those shows? I love those shows. So the whole, like, the idea of a show is they go in their house, like, they, they restore it. Or they, you could say they renovate it. But they, they bring it back to an original design. They bring it back to, to, to beauty. They bring it back to something that is aesthetically pleasing. And yes, they're making money. But anyway, they are, they're returning back to original design. And so to restore, for God to restore us to original design is to restore us to relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To bring back to original design. And so through faith in Christ, our relationship with God is restored. Here's the connection. Are you ready? You guys ready? Here's the connection to to devoted. Through faith in in Christ, our human relationships are restored. You see, when sin occurred, one of the first accounts that, that, that Genesis tells is after sin came into the world, Cain and Abel happened. If you're not familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, they're two brothers and they're working in a field and one, they both offer sacrifices to God. One is pleasing one is pleasing to God, the other is not pleasing to God. And God confronts, confronts them and, and basically, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank right now and I'm, I don't want to embarrass myself. I was going to say Cain killed Abel. Am I right? I'm drawing a blank. Okay, I'm sorry. I like it. You're questioning yourself and you're like nervous and you're like, I don't know if that's right. Anyway. This is just my humanity coming out. So Cain kills Abel right after sin enters the world. You see, God designed humans in the, in the garden. He designed them to love each other and be safe and to honor each other. 
much like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit honor each other. But then as soon as sin creeps in, Cain and Abel happen. Cain murders Abel. So sin destroyed human relationships. So faith in Christ restores our relationship to God. Faith in Christ restores our human relationships. And so how can you have a restored human relationship without Christ? You can't. Why are there so many church splits? Why are there so many... Why is there so much drama in the church? Why is there so much backbiting? Why is there so much gossip? Not in our group, but just in general. Why in, in, in the human condition? Why is that so? It's because Christians do not center their lives on Christ. They center it on church. But being devoted to Christ is far greater than being devoted to a church, which you should be devoted to a church and planted, but being devoted to Christ transcends that because it reaches into the depths of your heart and calls you to account and calls you to live out the life that Jesus has called us to live, not the standards that your church sets. Because churches are just people who organize a group of people, and people are imperfect. And so it says, we're going to go back to Acts 2.42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Four elements that we find in Acts 2. Four elements. Scripture, doing life together, breaking of bread, and prayer. Scripture, doing life, communion, and prayer. So you see in Acts 2, day of Pentecost comes, 3,000 people get saved, their relationship with God is restored. You have 3,000 Jews who come to, to salvation through Christ, through faith. They come, and it's restored. And then instantly, what happens? You see, in Genesis, sin occurred. Human relationships were broken. In Acts 2.42, or in Acts 2, salvation occurs. Human relationships are restored. And so what we find here is that in these four elements... We find Christ in each of these spiritual disciplines. We find Christ in the reading of Scripture. We find Christ in doing life together, sharing our lives together in, this, in, the, in the journey and joy of life. We find Christ in communion, and we find Christ in prayer. The early Christians were devoted to these spiritual disciplines. And I believe wholeheartedly that if we as people and as followers of Jesus would look to our relationships, glean from the scriptures and say, I will choose to practice spiritual, these spiritual disciplines. I will choose to live a life beyond just church attendance, but to go to my closest friends, be a leader, and plan it in my calendar, and invite them, and remind them, and bring my Bible, and come, and have it be awkward for the first three meetings. That's okay. But I will be the one who devotes myself to having relationships and friendships that are centered on Christ. Because when you encounter Jesus, he will always lead you to love people. Always. <laughs> I can prove it. <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. <laughs> it's like so clear. It's like crazy. Because God is love. 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live, what? Through him. We always skip past that. That we might live, you know how you live through him? You have spiritual disciplines that keep you living through him. You know how you just be a nominal Christian where you just come to church? You never do anything to remind you of living through him. You see, spiritual disciplines keep you centered on Christ, keep you living through Christ. So if you love God, your natural response will be, I want to be in a community of people who also love God and who love Jesus. It's difficult, though. Melanie's going to preach the last sermon of this series on October 14, and she's going to give you all the practical tips because she is like, and she has this message on her life, and she's going to impart to us everything God's taught her. And so just be looking forward to that. But I, I'll just share it with this. Like, you, you have to do it. Like, you just have to go out. If, if you are stuck in the rhythms of, of just religion, then you have to get a group of people, and you just have to start trying it. You have to just say, you know what, I want Christ at any cost. I want, more, I want what God has for my life. And you will not get what God has for your life if you do not include other Christians in on your life. God always will bring you, bring other people into, into your life. So we have scriptures, doing life together, communion, and prayer. And as we do these things, what I've experienced in my life is that you will encounter Jesus. You will see new aspects of who Jesus is through the people in your life as you are in these, these environments. So through faith in Christ, our human relationships are restored. And through faith in Christ, our relationship with God is restored. So would you guys just bow your heads and close your eyes as we close out? The Bible says that no one comes to, the, no one comes to God unless the Father draws him or her. Our sin, our past, our doubt, our questions cannot separate us from God. Jesus came to earth to close the distance, to take away the sin of the world, to rescue anyone who might believe who he is as the Savior of mankind. My question to you is God reaching out to you tonight to be saved, to enter into relationship with him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My encouragement to us tonight is to give up control, if that's you. Give up the control of your life. You're not really good at it anyway. Put your trust in Jesus. It's, it's really much less complicated than we think. He loves you deeply, personally, and proved it by dying on the cross and raising from the dead. This man, Jesus, loves you. So tonight, if that's you, you've got to let go of control, and you have to give the keys of your life to Jesus. He is trustworthy. He raised from the dead. Just like he said he would. So if that's you and you feel God drawing you to relationship with him tonight and you have never, or maybe you need to rededicate, recommit your life to Christ tonight. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. One, two, three. Raise your hand. See that hand? I see that hand. Praise God. I see that hand. You can put your hands down. Would everyone just repeat after me as we, as we close out tonight? Say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. 
thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to take my place. I repent of my sin and I put my trust in Jesus. Thank you for loving me. And from this day forward, I choose to follow you in relationship and to pursue you with everything that I have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that good, guys?